This is a new podcast series called Clarity Generates Confidence. Welcome to the next episode of the podcast Clarity Generates Confidence. I'm fortunate to have Melissa Libby with me from Atlanta, Georgia, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years and uh, who's been involved in the restaurant business. And I always knew her as Melissa. And one day I was looking up uh, some information about her related to a family matter and realized that at that point in time, she had been involved in uh, helping and supporting uh, opening more than 300 restaurants in the Atlanta area, as well as continuing to work on their promotion. So I'm delighted to have such an expert with me today, uh, who, I've, who I've known for a long time, and also to, in the situation that we're in, just to, to set the scene as we get started, is that we're recording this in late July of 2020. And uh, as you all know, the pandemic COVID-19 has had a significant impact throughout uh, the world, particularly uh, in the United States and Canada, where I'm located. And uh, an incredible impact on the service industry, including the restaurants. So with that, uh, good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Gary. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, appreciate it. Uh, the, you know, the last time we spoke was in April and, uh, so I wanted to get this recording started. We're about to have this conversation offline. I thought, no, I wanted to have this right now is that you had just made a decision, I think for the early or end of March, not to take up, uh, your, your lease on your space again. And uh, you felt quite relieved about it at that point in time. How do you feel about that now? Uh, here it is, three three months or so later. Uh, wow, it's it was probably the number one best decision I could have ever made, and I didn't even you know have all the facts at that time. Here we are, three months later. No one is going back to their office. Um, so forget about just the expense that I don't have to incur by having an office space. Even if I had one, we wouldn't be going back to it. So my team is working virtually, just fine. We have found a way to um, meet, to socially distance meet once a week. We meet in a park, um, which is, even though it's really hot in Atlanta, I found a shady park. And so we all come and um, bring our folding chairs and I, I usually bring popsicles or something for the team. And we've we've really enjoyed, um, you know, just having our team meeting and seeing one another. So that not having the office space is is definitely the biggest relief I could have amongst all of the chaos. You know, Melissa, at the beginning of this year, or even the beginning of March, could you imagine uh, thinking that was okay to have a meeting, to be out in the park and bring popsicles? <laughs> no, it certainly had never occurred to me. I I definitely had been thinking about not having an office. Could we, could we go virtual? I have one employee that works out of Nashville, Tennessee. So I, I knew it was possible, but I, I could never just quite pull the trigger. I just could never do it. And, um, and this forced me to do it. And I'm so grateful. I, I, I know so many people that wish that they could do the same and, you know, are just caught up in a lease or, you know, a contract of some sort. So it's, um, it's definitely a, a bright spot. Well, you know, that's what's, that's what's happened to me. I mean, we, we pulled out of our office on the 24th of March. We went to, um, what I affectionately call the Hollywood squares picture, the 12 of us up there. Other people will call it the Brady Bunch. And I've got those <laughs> that they don't know either shows. So anyway, the situation is that we found a way to work virtually as well. Uh, but I still have my lease until the end of 2021, which we still pay for, but it's really given me really great pause to think of how we can operate now. And uh, that, that's been a big change for me. 
So I also have a, another, a new client uh, came into a workshop in January. A number of restaurants in the Toronto area had over 500 employees. Uh, his business was about $50 million a year, and it went basically to zero um, overnight, the three different aspects of the food services business that he was in. So I can't imagine what your your clients uh, have been going through. Maybe just give us a little bit of a, a flavor of what's been happening with your world, and then we'll and then we'll broaden that out. Okay. Well, I, I really I really feel for for him and everybody in the hospitality space. It's just it's just incredible what's happened, and you know to just lose everything through no fault of your own and with no warning and and just it's just it's just an incredibly difficult experience and um in my world and you know my company mirrors what's going on with my clients there are a few you know that have hung on there are a couple that have thrived because you know they were already in in the takeout business or you know known for something other than dining in a restaurant um and then there's some that just have closed or are on the brink of closing. What's um, what's happening very recently is the the optimism or the hope that some of them had that this was going to cycle through pretty quickly, and if they just hung on, you know, long enough, it would they would get through it. Is starting to fade. You know, it's it looks like it's going to last a lot longer than any of us thought, and so the second wave of people, you know, getting fearful and cutting costs and, and um, not adding their marketing back or, you know, or, or wanting it to be less or cutting it off altogether. Just um, it's starting again. So it's um, and that's the same thing that's happening in the restaurant business. People were coming back in and now they're pulling back because they're getting scared again. So it's a, it's, it's a roller coaster for sure. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and I would never, as you know me, I'm an optimist. I would never have said that we were going to be out any more than a month or so. Uh, I, my concern or realism is the longer it goes on, as you said, that the more casualties will happen, the more that people will change and and really rethink how they do their work and their business. And I, I'm worried for the fall uh, of what will be maybe not the second wave of the pandemic, but just the second wave in terms of, of businesses and, and those that will not survive. Exactly. Uh, that I, I, that's my concern as well. It's, it's the pandemic is, you know, is going to be with us and it, the wave is, is failing businesses and people that were just hanging on to wait to the end of the pandemic. And now, you know, the question is, when is that going to be? And, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, our, our big word pivot, you know, it's one word to have pivoted to take out and delivery and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But some, some restaurants can't do that. You know, I find dining restaurants, I have little intimate restaurants that are, you know, their best when there's a bunch of people crowded together, making a lot of noise and, you know, <laughs> that's just not cool anymore. And that's not going to be cool for a very long time. And so how do you make money when your business model is out the window? And, you know, you, you would have to just really just recreate yourself. And some people are in the mood to do that. And some people aren't, and some people aren't in the situation to do that. You know, once again, the restaurant industry has never been a very sustainable business model. It's just paper thin profits and, you know, 
a bad, you know, weather day can put them out. You know, it's just, this is something that just, it just cannot be sustained by an independent restaurant or even a small group. I think that what we're going to see, unfortunately, is just a lot of chain restaurants that just have some deep pockets that can weather it. And even they, even they will probably close under performing store stores. But I think that, you know, that's what we're going to see in 2021. That's, that's, we're going to see a lot of Applebee's and, you know, I'll, I'll throw in Tim Hortons and, you know, uh, places like that, they're going to make it. And your favorite restaurant down the street in your neighborhood might not. You know, that's, that's a very interesting thought from, from your perspective, because, the restaurant business to me, and you, and you talked about some of the specialty ones and the smaller ones and or the fine dining, is all about the experience and the not being able to provide that experience. And now also a question of demographics. Those who can afford to do that tend to be, uh, I would expect somewhat, yes, younger, but I think generally the older population who don't have their kids around anymore have more disposable income not as worried about what they're earning as much now and willing to spend now say they're the ones that are most at risk. And so they will also, I think, be the ones most fearful with respect to coming back to a restaurant and being in that tight, intimate setting, which, which, you know, I love to do. I mean, that's, that's what I love. We were fortunate that we had dinner together in February, which we hadn't done before. And I I love that closeness that we get from the people. It's going to be a challenge. Exactly. So what have you had to do uh, to adapt now since we, we chatted back in April? What, are, what, what have you had to do over the last three months? Um, well, reinvent myself. Um, sh- short answer. I, I just took a look at um, two things. Um, I took a look at what, what we profess to be, and that is a restaurant PR company. And I said, wow, that's, that's probably not a good thing to be um, right now. So I'll always, I'll always work with restaurants, but you know, I've got to diversify. I've got to get some clients in some other industries. And, and we've been successful in really just putting it out there and saying, Hey, if you know anybody that needs some help, maybe we can help them, you know, a small company, a friend of a friend, And so the first person that stepped up was my financial planner. And he was like, well, I need some help. And I don't want somebody in the financial planning industry because they're just going to do it the same old way. Um, I'd like somebody looking at it from an outside perspective. And obviously, you're a client of mine, so you know everything we do. And I've I've been working with him for 20 years. Um, And so we took a look at his business and we took the creativity that we have in our restaurant and our B2C world and put it into, you know, a kind of boring industry. I don't want to, you know, make anyone feel bad, but it's not, you know, it's not restaurants. And they're just delighted. You know, they're like, oh, wow, a gra- you know, a, a picture in our newsletter. What a great idea. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, so we've been, we've been diversifying and getting some different, and it's, it's been actually easy to do um, because people, you know, know us and give us a chance. And then the other thing that we did is, I don't want to call it a rebrand, but we, our company name is Melissa Libyan Associates and and we go by MLA. Um, But our email address is Melissa Libby PR and our, and therefore our, um, I mean, our web address is MLA is Melissa Libby PR. And then our email addresses 
our end in Melissa Libby PR. And I just realized, especially during COVID, it wasn't the PR that we were doing for our clients. It was a lot of other things. It was crisis communications. It was messaging. It was staff, you know, internal communications. And so we really changed what our offering is. And now we say that we're a communication strategy company. And so we changed our email um, and our web address to thinkmla.com. So, and we're trying to go through our, um, our website right now and just call out a little bit of that restaurant work. We're obviously going to always re- represent restaurants and we have an expertise there, but we want to make ourselves um, a little bit more well-rounded. And so that's been kind of fun, you know, in the midst of everything, it's kind of fun to, to be able to do that. And, and we're pretty excited about it. So that's what we've done. Melissa, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's what I'm beginning to see uh, from all all of us who've been who are entrepreneurs is we can pivot. I love the word pivot. And I also use it. That it's not our fault. So but not being our fault means we, we also don't want to be a victim, which you clearly haven't taken that approach, although it takes time to get through um, the shock of all of this. But uh, what I really appreciated you saying is coming back over, looking at what your skill set is, looking at what it is that you that you actually do, and you, when you rebrand, rebrand other restaurants. What what an opportunity uh, that you've taken to to rebrand yourselves. Uh, how's your team? How's your team reacted to all of that? The team has been great. They have um, they're excited about it too. I think you know there is. Everything, especially at the beginning, you know, we're kind of into our groove now, but at the beginning, it was just so scary and so uncertain. And so this is something we can all get behind and, you know, everybody's input is valued and they, you know, they can give their input and they know someone that maybe we can work with, you know, it's just, it's been good. Everybody's really come together. I think it's, I think it's been a unifying um, experience. Well, Melissa, that's awesome. And and I think this what a great display of leadership, you know, you know, and I, I, I use this a lot, but I always love the expression that's attributed to Warren Buffett that you get to see who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. <laughs> well, in some respects, COVID-19 has wiped away all the economic, you know, prosperity, and you get to see who can stand up and and be counted. And and clearly you have. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted that your teams responded because they, they're beginning to see a broader value to what you bring. And uh, kudos for you for really stepping back and seeing that and, and moving forward. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. So when we when we look ahead, uh, you know, I think I mentioned to you when I was when we were talking back in April that you probably knew the ones that would uh, survive and the ones that not survive. Anything you want to add to that about the the larger? Um, you talked about the larger chains possibly making, but can you see some of the other uh, other people that you know really beginning to pivot themselves and thinking about what was coming next for them? For the restaurants? Yes, for the restaurants. What we found, and I don't know if it's the same there, but people feel safer dining outdoors than indoors. And so um, a lot of people have converted an area of their parking lot into a patio. Um, We've had people open up their, you know, a whole wall in the building, open it up so that there's fresh air coming in. Um, And it's funny because in Atlanta, it's really hot in the summer. And so people don't want to 
eat outdoors and they're all eating outdoors right now. So I think that it's like a shift. I, I don't think that'll ever stop, which is amazing because we, we need that. Um, so, so the, the clients that have been able to embrace the outdoors, the clients that have been able to embrace the takeout, like I have the, the highest, most highest end, most expensive sushi restaurant in Atlanta is my client and take out high-end sushi. I mean, who does that? And at the beginning, they're like, oh no, we're not doing that. Well, now they're doing it and it's working beautifully. And I mean, we're talking, you know, $300 check, you know, charges or more for this beautiful sushi, beautifully packaged, beautifully presented, beautifully delivered to your car. And so they recently reopened for dine-in and they said, well, we're going to keep this takeout going, it's working. And so some people have just found a whole new way of doing business. Others have said, I can't get into the groove of takeout. My food's not right for that. And so it hasn't worked the same for them. But those who are able to expand beyond their four walls, whether it be through outdoor dining or whether it be with a takeout, a, a pickup delivery, you know, that, that whole model, they're going to make it. And then there's some that just, you know, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of flashy restaurants that spent a million dollars on their building and their design and their furniture. And they're the ones that are in trouble. They've got a big, you know, a big overhead. So a little restaurant that was, that was living within their means, so to speak, they're going to make it too. You know, it might not, might not be, they might not have as good a living as they did for a while, but, but they're going to hold on. So it's interesting to see there are definitely some that are, that are fine. It's, it's, you know, it's the ones that aren't making it that make you so sad. Well, it just just as you said, I, I see in my own family, we're up here at the lake and there's not many options open to go for dining, but a, a, a golf club that we are part of has has outdoor dining and everybody is comfortable being outdoors. We're now allowed in Ontario to have 50 people indoors. Uh, I'm not uncomfortable uh, with being indoors. Maybe I'm a little bit fatalistic about this or not, but, you know, it's it's not a it's open it's out over the water. It's open, you know, wind wind can blow through it. So, but I know other members of my family say they wouldn't go inside at all. And you know what it's like in Toronto in the wintertime. So I don't know what's going to happen come then. <laughs> well, exactly. Isn't that going to be, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. It really, you, you may find that you may find what we're finding in Atlanta that, well, if you get enough heaters out there and <laughs> I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll, they'll come. Well, I, you know, I, I, I can tell you one thing is that my wife and I were fine through the first few months. We're doing the things and, and I don't mind cooking. I, I'm a barbecuer, but uh, so I'll do it all year round. I have a shovel out the back door, you know, living in the in Ontario as we do. So but uh, for the wintertime, that is to shovel the snow out towards the barbecue. But uh, I must admit, we found that when we could go and get some food that somebody else cooked, we were ready for it. So, <laughs> yes, yes. The demand is there. Really, the um, really the restrictions that are- yeah. So what what's happening with those restrictions? Uh, because you know we hear different stories. I I do a lot of business in the U.S. I, but not too much in in the Georgia area, but certainly in in California and Texas and the Upper Midwest. And we see what's happening. What's what's happening? What's happening in Atlanta? How's what's Georgia doing with respect to it opening its economy and restaurants back up again? 
Well, as you may have uh, heard on the news, Atlanta and Georgia are two very different places and they have very different perspectives on this. So the governor of Georgia has um, been very um, pro-business, I guess you would say, um, and he's he really is letting the restaurants sort of make their own and, and all businesses, but um, he, he's letting them make their own rules and just putting suggestions out there, whereas the mayor of Atlanta is um, the opposite. She's, she feels that it should be very restricted, that there should be a mask mandate. Um, there are mandates about how um, how many people can be in the restaurant and how far away they have to be. That does come from the state level. But there's a big argument between the mayor and the governor, and we just really honestly don't need that right now. Um, so that that's makes it very, very difficult to have a business in the city of Atlanta and wonder what you should be enforcing, what you shouldn't, you know, why should you even have to enforce it? You know, it's not that it's not the restaurant owner's part to go up and tell somebody to put a mask on. So that's just added a whole big, you know, a whole nother layer to the crisis for the client. So it's not a good political situation in, in, in our state right now. Um, Melissa, we're finding the same thing here in Ontario. Um, the city of Toronto, of course, a big city, has been more shut down than the rest of the province, uh, which is a lot of r- rural areas like where I am at the moment. And so you feel differently. And uh, they're just opening up here at the end of July, early August uh, to allow people to go indoors with a maximum of 50 with the proper spacing. Masks are mandatory. Uh, and I and I feel that's probably going to be away for a while. So it's uh, but it's been a very, very uh, very much like Atlanta, uh, the governments aren't don't know what to do really. Um, so they're they're going to lag behind. Uh, I think what we need is, is is people to look after our own world. Yeah, agreed. So you know what? One of the things that we we talked about, and I wanted to, I wanted to bring up um, certainly the the racial tensions that have been going on, Black Lives Matter, uh, and I. I and certainly Atlanta had been a hot spot. It's certainly been moving around the country since we first talked about it. How do you see that impacting um, how restaurants uh, and will work in, in the future? Well, you know, initially when we had the, the, the big protest um, and some looting and destruction that, you know, that really just happened over about a 10 day period. You know, some restaurants were, affected like physically their, their, their physical uh, building was damaged. So that was, and the, and the mayor made a curfew. And so all of a sudden restaurants that had just gotten back open had to close again. So it was, it was a very bad time, but I think that the good that has come out of it is that um, a lot of almost, I mean, just about everyone that I deal with has looked, you know, to themselves and said, wow, you know, what can I do differently? Am I part of the problem? And so they've been, um, they've come up with some initiatives to support their employees more to, you know, just support the the black community in any way that they can. Um, One of my clients did something uh, great. He's a, he's a, a celebrity chef. His name is Kevin Gillespie. He was just on top chef, all stars. He was a finalist and he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy from South Georgia, but I have, you know, 50,000 followers on Instagram. 
but I don't know what to say. Who am I to say anything? So every Tuesday, he's been giving his social media platform over to a member of the black community to say whatever they want to his audience and maybe give themselves, you know, give whatever it is they want to talk about a broader reach. And it's been going great. Um, so I'm proud of him for doing that. And and then I think just in a broader term, even beyond Black lives, I think that people have become more empowered to just speak up about injustices. And um, so there's a lot of that going on and it. It hurts a little bit, you know, to hear that people feel mistreated, but they feel like they can finally say something. So I think it's going to be, you know, a very big shift. And I think in the end, even though initially there was, you know, quite a bit of, of negativity around it, I think it's going to have a positive um, outcome in the end. I think it's going to be a good thing. Well, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I think we go, we can go back. We don't have to go back too far, but even to the, the me too uh, movement, what's happening there. And I'm much like your, not, not a celebrity like your celebrity chef, but uh, a white a white guy from uh, you know here in Ontario, and I've never felt uh, that that uncomfortableness um, that some people of maybe of the black community or uh, of women who may have been disadvantaged of sorts and uh, or even economically that way. So when I agree with you that me being made aware of that has has certainly made a big difference for me and i love the idea that he's turned over his his um his social media once a week and uh i i really hope just like you that these that the tolerance uh because i don't see color so much maybe that's maybe i'm just maybe i'm colorblind in that respect so i don't think about it uh but it doesn't mean that it doesn't really exist so i'm i was really appreciative when it was pointed out to me that it's also part of our responsibility when we have a, a platform to to do something exactly about it. right we have a um a newsletter and a website you know all restaurant news that we put out weekly and we put out content every single day. And so we ask ourselves, you know, are we supporting black owned restaurants? Are we supporting black chefs or, you know, what can we do better there? Um, And so we've just made sure we just made an intentional effort to do more of that. And I think if everyone does small things like that, it will make a big difference. Yeah, I I totally agree. And, you know, it, it unfortunately always takes to be something to happen to be conscious of it. But I, I love the expression that uh, I've used a lot is that never, don't waste a crisis, never waste a significant crisis. And this is one right now. We're, we're certainly in that. So as you pivot your businesses, as we change what we're doing, as you've expanded to communication strategists, which is awesome. I think this is the, this is the time for us to make those changes because the world never goes back. It always moves forward. So I, my personal belief is what we had before will no longer exist uh, it'll exist as something else. And uh, I think that what our conversation today is certainly showing that to be true. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Melissa, any anything else that um, you've seen uh, from you now? I've talked a lot of professionally. What about personally? And from you, what, what changes from your perspective would, do you see that as you've had a chance to think about this, that you want to take forward into the post COVID-19 world uh, from a personal perspective? Um, You know, I, I always look, I always consider myself, you know, a realist, a pragmatist. I'm, I'm somebody who, you know, has a plan, follows the plan, 
has experience, uses the experience. You know, I'm just a very get it done type of girl. And that couldn't happen (laughs) during this time. And because there, there was no plan, there was no experience. Um, And every time I thought I had it figured out, something changed. I'd have it figured out anymore. And that was extremely unsettling for someone like me who prides herself on always, you know, having a, having a way, you know, having a plan. So, um, you know, I think I, I got a little down in the dumps about that, but of course I really didn't have the chance to wallow very much because I had to keep going. And so I found a little bit of, um, you know, hope and optimism that I, I guess I didn't know I had. And um, so that was, that was interesting and encouraging and, it made me feel better about myself and about my leadership because I was feeling really bad at the beginning that I, I just felt like I wasn't a good leader because I didn't know what to tell them to do. Um, and I, I kind of came around to that's not what a leader does. A leader works with everyone to move forward. We don't tell people what to do. Um, so that really was a big change for me and something I'm grateful that happened. And I'm, you know, see it already, you know, moving forward. Um, and I, I also have always considered myself an introvert, which is probably funny for somebody in the public relations business, but maybe because I'm out in the public eye so much and out and about so much, I just really love my time alone and my own space and and that sort of thing. And my golly, I've had too much of that time alone. And I find that I do need other people in my life. (laughs) That's been another really um, interesting update uh, in my world. So those are my personal uh, takeaways so far. That's, that's awesome. You know, uh, I wouldn't probably know, I would probably not classify myself as an introvert. Uh, I do like my time alone, but I have to tell you, if I didn't have Zoom, uh, that kept me going anywhere between four and maybe even eight hours a day for doing things and the coaching we've been doing online, it would have been disastrous for me. i my wife has lived with me this long, but I don't know if the last four months would have survived for 40 years. But uh, so, yeah, I, I get that. So, you know, the the other thing that, that I wanted to say, too, is with respect to leadership. And I, I, I feel like I feel you've described it really, really well, is that not, we feel as leaders, we always should know what to do. We always be there on top of it every moment. But that's not true. And I've noticed that we go through maybe three phases. I don't, I don't describe them very eventually, but I go the, the first, the first stage is react. And with, when everything was shutting down and all the information, everything coming at us, we just react. And I don't consider react to be positive so much because we got to absorb all that information. And then we got to clean things up. Unfortunately, you've done some cleanup, whether it's personally, professionally, and we don't get to move forward until we work our way through those stages. And, you know, you pretty well described that, what you need to do, how you were feeling, what you tried, you couldn't get through it. And then you get to the point where you say, ah, I can see how to move forward. And I, I sense the confidence in your voice now that I didn't see back in April. So maybe, and, and even in me, what we were going through. So, uh, Melissa, I just wanted to say, hey, it's okay. Everybody I've talked to, and I've been fortunate to talk to several hundred people uh, with, through the coaching over the last three or four months. And uh, when I brought this up, everyone seems to say, yeah, that makes sense. And we all don't go through this at the same as quickly or as slowly as somebody else. It's always different. So that's my thinking about that one. Well, good to know. Thank you. I'm glad I'm on track. 
<laughs> awesome. Hey, Melissa, this is this has been awesome today. Uh, I've you know always appreciated you, and uh, always appreciated your thinking, and and certainly as you say, as as, as a get it done uh, person. But today has been exceptional for me uh, to to connect with you in this way, and I felt that I was really worried that I had to do this all really quickly because this podcast pivoted from being bringing out the entrepreneur in you was kind of the the season title to preparing for the post-COVID-19 world. But I realize now that this post-COVID-19 world is going to take a while to unfold. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, in, a, in a couple of months or so, we can come back and revisit, see what's happened and, uh, and, and continue, continue the story and continue to thinking about what's coming next for not only us, but all those around us that we support. So I really appreciate you being on today, Melissa. Absolutely. I will be here when you're ready to talk. Awesome.